Well, good morning, my brothers and sisters. Uh, glad to be with you again today in this way. Uh, thanks to the, uh, to the band, that beautiful acoustic set they did today. Uh, lots, of, lots of powerful words there. Um, really good stuff. I, I really appreciated that one line, especially from the, uh, the Christmas carol, where it talks about, uh, he, he came to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Uh, powerful stuff. Good. It's good that he has done that because the curse is found throughout the world, right? It's, it's throughout in each of us. Uh, so it's, it's really good. So as we come, we, we're wrapping up our Thanksgiving series today, and uh, we, we want to take one last look at things that we ought not forget as we give thanks. Um, as the video kind of suggested earlier, we, we need to be cultivating a, a attitude of gratitude, as it were, right? And, uh, and so be, before we get into it all, let's, uh, let's pray once more. Will you pray with me, please? Our great God, we come before you once again. Lord, we pray that you will be glorified, you will be honored, that you will be blessed, that all these transactions this morning, the songs, the prayers, and the message will be pleasing in your sight. Uh, uh, Lord, may your word go forth. There's power in your word, not my words. And uh, so, Lord, I pray that uh, I will not be a hindrance, that I'll not get in the way of what you're trying to say. Prepare our hearts to receive your message now. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So, as, uh, as George Kenyon Dewey reminded us last week, um, this Thanksgiving thing is not like a once-a-year thing. This is an all-the-time thing. It's a lifestyle. It's a mindset, right? And we see, we see this in First uh, Thessalonians 5, where it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, this, this principle was going to be sorely tested in the lives of Corey and Betsy Tenboom. Uh, they were uh, living in Holland uh, as the Germans rolled in to their country in World War II. And, uh, and as Christians, as Christ followers, as genuine believers, they felt it was their duty to uh, hide Jews from the Nazis. And uh, eventually they were uh, kind of uh, sold out, as it were. They were ratted out by one of their countrymen who was collaborating with, with the Germans. And uh, they, they wound up in Ravensbrück concentration camp. Uh, Corey would later write about it in her book, The Hiding Place. Some of you may have read it already. Um, anyway, when they, when they got there, uh, it, it was, as you can imagine, horrific. Um, even just the trip there, uh, multiple days in a, in a cattle car, uh, just un indescribable, really. And they got into this, uh, this prison camp, um, and they, it, was, it was really crowded, and they, they soon discovered that their barracks was infested with fleas. And, uh, and Betsy was, was insisting to Corey that they should thank God for all of aspects of their circumstances, like it says in First Thessalonians, right? They had just been reading in that. And Corey wasn't quite so convinced, but, you know, running down the list, well, hey, yeah, we, we are actually here together. 
Usually families were split up, right, when they were sent to wherever, but Corey and Betsy were there to support each other. And their Bible hadn't been confiscated. The Germans didn't, didn't uh, search them on the way in, so they still had their Bible, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, so Corey's kind of getting into it, right? And, and this place is hideously overcrowded, way too many women in this place. Well, she wasn't sure about that, but Betsy's saying, hey, this is, look at all these other people we can minister to. And then finally, Betsy suggested that we should thank God for the fleas, too. And Corey was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Thanking God for the fleas? Why would we do that? Finally, she relented because they were, they were just reading there, right? So we, in all circumstances, give thanks. So, so Corey went along with it. Okay, we'll give thanks for the fleas, too. But she wasn't sure. She, she thought, surely this time, Betsy was wrong, right? Because you can't possibly, what possible reason would we, can God even make me thankful for fleas? We'll get back to more of their story later on in the message. But for now, we want to get into our core uh, passage of Scripture. It's going to be in Psalm 103. Uh, Again, thanks to James Schaefer. Excellent job of picking out a beautiful passage of Scripture for this purpose. He's done a really good job in laying out our our, uh, uh, teaching series and and picking the Scriptures to work with. And this is an exceptional one. I will note in passing, though, that this isn't the only psalm that has a great uh, theme of thanksgiving. The next few, in fact, uh, 104 through 107, are also good psalms for thanksgiving. I I encourage you to read through that whole uh, section of Scripture. Anyway, let's get into our primary uh, verses here. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 4 of David. Blessed be the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Okay, so let's work through this verse by verse, as is our habit, right? So verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Let's look at that very first word in this verse, bless. The meaning of bless is an interesting word because it's like a two-way street and it depends which direction you're driving what the meaning really is. When it's expressed by a beneficiary toward their benefactor, it's a humble, thankful adoration, actually. And when it's coming from the benefactor to the beneficiary, it includes uh, all forms of benefits. And so in this case, uh, David, as the author of the psalm, he's the primary beneficiary, but by extension, we all are as well, and the benefactor, capital B, is our great God, right? Um, The first thing we want to look at, why should we bless the Lord, I'm going to suggest is because he's holy. God deserves our adoration and praise for nothing else because he is holy, and his holiness was explained uh, in the current edition of Israel, My Glory, Uh, Bruce Scott of the Friends of Israel put it this way. To be holy means to be set apart. God, in fact, tells us he is holy. You shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Leviticus 19.2. Unlike us, he is completely separate from evil and wickedness. He is distinct, singular, peerless, and perfect. Pretty good words, I think, right? 
Uh, okay, so moving on to, to uh, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This is where we get to our big idea today. Why should we bless the Lord? Because of all his benefits. We're going to explore, we're going to catalog a great number of his benefits today. Um, all his many benefits, these are the things we ought not to forget. Uh, by the way, uh, if you're trying to follow along and fill in your bulletin today, you're not going to see this outline explicitly in the slide deck. If you're, if you're following with me, you probably can figure out where most of these things go. Uh, we're up to actually the third one, right? All his benefits. These are the things we ought not forget. Okay, um, so now let's start pulling it apart. Here we go. David gets into it in the next couple of verses. Some of those things that are his many benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? People, this is the primary benefit. If, if we got nothing else from God, this would be enough because this radically alters our eternal destiny. Right? Everything else, everything else that we get from God, which is a lot, but it's all comparatively icing on the proverbial cake. This is the key. It's good for us that God is gracious and merciful. Wow, we would be in big trouble if he wasn't. Look what it says later in Psalm 103, verse 8. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Um, this is actually a quote from Exodus 34, verse 6. And it's, that, that verse shows up all over the place in the scripture, actually, because it's such a powerful description of who our great God is. So it's good for us that he's gracious and merciful because of what it says in Psalm 130, verse 3. This is also another really good psalm, by the way. Six verses. I'd love to get into it. We don't have time. I encourage you to look at it this week on your own. But it says in verse 3 of Psalm 130, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Who could stand indeed? Not one of us, right? We would all. There's none righteous, not one. We would all be in a really bad place. Uh, look what else it says in Psalm 103, verses 10 to 12. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Good thing, right? Nor repay us according to our iniquities. Thank you, Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Uh, several years ago, the contemporary Christian group Casting Crowns put out a song called East to West. And a part of the um, chorus goes this way. In the arms of your mercy I find rest, because you know just how far the east is from the west, one scarred hand to the other, which is clearly a reference to the cru crucifixion of Christ. Um, th this is... This is key. This is the central element of the gospel. This is the good news. The reason God can forgive our sins and remove our iniquity from us is because Jesus Christ paid for them all. He was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And that's why God can offer forgiveness and still be just because Jesus satisfied the demands of his justice. All that remains for us to do is accept that. Accept that payment. Okay? And so if you have never done that, please, today, 
Let this be the day of salvation. Repent of your sin, place your trust in Jesus Christ as your atoning sacrifice, and receive him today. If you don't understand what I'm talking about at this point, it's critical you not leave here until you do. Please come and see me afterward, and we will get into it more thoroughly and make sure you understand. Or see one of the other elders, talk to the person next to you, I don't care. Please don't leave here if you don't fully understand that, uh, what the gospel really means and its importance to you. Your eternal destiny uh, relies on it. Okay, Okay. Move, uh, moving on. Uh, the second half of verse 3, who heals all your diseases. Now, now this is an interesting phrase because our, our normal way of interpreting Scripture around here, our hermeneutic, if you will, is to take the Scripture literally. The Scripture says what it means, it means what it says. But if we look at this, take it at face value out of context... Well, this is kind of demonstrably not true, right? I mean, in our own experience, we have, or we know people that have, diseases and illnesses and ailments that God has chosen not to heal. Come on now, right? That's reality. I can demonstrate from the scripture itself that this is not true at face value. Uh, in John 5, Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda and healed a guy. One, one guy. The scripture says there were multitudes in the porticos there who had various problems and needed healing, and we have no record that he did anything about all the rest of those people. Okay? Uh, Paul reports that he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. Some problem. And he petitioned to the Lord three times, specifically three times, he says, and God said no each time. Nope. Not going to do it. Not healing. So what's the story? All right. So here's where I, what I think we need to understand. Remember, if you remember back in our summer psalm series, I told you some things about the nature of Hebrew poetry, and the psalms are Hebrew poetry. And so I think there's a couple of things that might explain what's going on with this phrase. One is that it could be a, a, an, an instance of parallelism. Right. The first half of the verse says the Lord forgives all of our iniquities, and then he says uh, he heals all our diseases. And in fact, a lot of the commentators I was looking at kind of lean in this direction, right? This is using a physical analogy to the spiritual problem. And in, in effect, it's addressing the, the entire person, right? Um, they're saying this is a a analog, a physical analog that reinforces the spiritual statement in the first half of the verse. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, it, the, though the terms heals and diseases are usually generally uh, the physical form, certainly you can think of the spiritual disease of sin, right? And God is certainly in the process of healing all of that. That's what he does. Uh, another thing that I would suggest to you is that Poets are sometimes hyperbolic. They overstate things for effect. So maybe that's going on here too. In either case, what, I, what you need to remember is in the long run, in the eternal state, in our glorified bodies, all that ails us will be removed. All right? It's only a matter of time. And praise God for that. I mean, with 
I can tell you with every additional age-related ache and pain, I am increasingly looking forward to the day when all of that stuff is removed. In the meantime, sometimes he does give healing. And we've had actually some notable instances of divine interventions, supernatural healing in this body, even in just recent years. And when he chooses not to heal, though, he extends grace. That's what he told Paul. When Paul wanted his thorn removed and God said no, he didn't just say no. He said, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Right? And what did Paul say? His, his response was, humbly, okay, then. I'm perfectly happy with my weakness because when I'm weak, then I'm strong <laughs> because God's power is now working in us, right? Now, furthermore, I'll, I'll suggest to you that it's actually kind of amazing that healing happens at all, right? Think about how awesome that really is, right? And it's a testament, I think, to the engineering brilliance of our God, that he creates these things that actually will fix themselves. Um, that leads to the idea of general grace, which is another one of your fill-in there. God gives general grace. This idea at, at, uh, that Jesus talked about in Matthew 5, for he makes his sun shine on the, or, or sunrise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. It doesn't matter what we're doing or not doing. It, it, the system works. The universe that God created, it works, much to our benefit. I mean, think about it. How about just water, the importance of water to our existence? Uh, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to enjoy some of this now. <laughs> Keeps our voices so that we can continue to, continue to talk, right? Um, there's a number of ways that this show, shows up and things we just take for granted because it just always is, is going on. It always works. Um, let me give you some examples. First of all, we live in what's called, on what's called the Goldilocks planet. Uh, if some of you were here several years ago when I, I gave the message uh, Faith in the World, I gave you a number of illustrations from the created order of why our faith is, is very uh, uh, legitimate why it's very reasonable. Um, it was sort of like a Dr. McMurtry type of a message, actually. A lot of things from science. I love this stuff. I could go on all day. I won't, but just a few things. This idea of the Goldilocks planet, the Earth is perfectly placed in its orbit. It's not too close to the sun where it would be too hot, like Venus, or too far from the sun where it would be too cold, like Mars. It's just right. Goldilocks. Um, also, I told you back then that the, the whole solar system is in a Goldilocks zone in the galaxy. Uh, it's pretty far away from the next nearest star. There's a lot of places in the galaxy where they're packed together. And there's lots of ramifications. If we were there, we'd be bombarded by cosmic rays all the time. We, uh, our orbit would be distorted by the presence of other stars in proximity. All kinds of problems. We're not there, right? How about the, the uh, perfect composition of our atmosphere? It's a thin atmosphere. It's, uh, it's got just enough oxygen, not too much. Uh, all of these things, it's transparent to visible light so we can see things. That's a good thing, right? Can you imagine like if it was constantly uh, hideously foggy because visible light was not getting through? Um, all of these things are just so. We got a moon that's just the right size and just the right distance, one moon 
not multiple ones, so we're getting the tidal effects just the right way so that life actually works, the ecosystem works. All this really cool stuff. I could go on again, like I said, for, for hours, but I won't. Uh, moving on, let's consider just abilities that God gives us. Um, what do I have that I haven't at some level been given? Even the things that I think I've earned somehow, I've worked hard and got, how, the abilities to even work like that, to do those things, to earn those things, ultimately are sourced in what God has given. One of those abilities is, is thought. Have you ever thought about thinking? <laughs> I mean, really, it, that's a remarkable thing, that we can think, that we can reason, that we can solve problems, we can work things out. That has given rise to some modern technologies and conveniences. Let's talk about some of that. Speaking about water, one of my favorite things is indoor plumbing. I flick this lever or turn this knob and water comes out. Great. I put the lever over here. Hot water comes out. Nice, nice. I step in this, this thing over here, pull this knob, and it, it rains on me inside. Really cool, right? And all right, how many of us are pining away for the good old days of outhouses? I don't think I see any hands out there, right? Give me the indoor toilet, right? And hey, now, I, I'm t I kid you not, I've seen this with my own eyes, heated toilet seats. <laughs> I, it, it's a thing. Check it out. Not now. When you get home, check it out. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. <laughs> um, so so that's, just, that's just one thing, right? How about... Like, um, how about, mo how about modern medical technology, right? On a serious note, okay, our medical science is not as far from perfect. There's a whole lot of things about these glorious human bodies that we don't even begin to understand. But I'll just give you one personal example from my life. Um, the cesarean section, well, okay, not, not my personal <laughs> life, right? The, the C-section form of delivering a baby. Uh, because of complications in my wife Diane's first pregnancy, uh, our eldest son John was delivered by C-section, as were the subsequent two sons as well, Andy and Tim. Well, that procedure has actually only been generally available and both safe and effective for both mother and child in the last century or so. You go back much further than that, uh, I, it's very likely that I would never have known any of my three sons and probably would have lost my wife in the process when she was still in her 20s, right? I mean, wow, glad we're living now. Um, how, about, how about these cool little things, these little boxes, right? Uh, I didn't have one of these until 2017. You may think I'm a technophobe, okay, but, but we were going... I had, for work, I had to go to Australia. I know, tough job, but somebody's got to do it, right? Uh, and for, for some reason, Diane insisted that she go with me as well. So anyway, we, we went over there, and we, we got one of these things so that uh, we, we could get this little WhatsApp app thing on it. And then when we're in Australia, we were able to talk to our sons all the way on the other side of the planet. Real time, I mean, it was clear voice, it was amazing. You know what all goes in to making that work? 
Yeah, me neither, but, but it's a lot. It's complicated, right? Speaking of Australia, how do you think I got there? How do you think we got there? Airplane, right? Rough, it was, it's, I don't know what it was. I forget exactly. 30-ish some odd hours of, of traveling. It was kind of grueling, and I don't sleep on airplanes, so I was awake that whole time in some state of consciousness, and, and so it was rough. And anybody's done much traveling, if you've been more, you know, more than a handful of flights, you probably have some kind of airline horror story, right? We all got them. Lost baggage, delays, cancellations, whatever. Um, but really, if, if you've gotten to your destination and you've walked off that airplane, or in the case perhaps you're using a wheelchair, you're rolled off of that airplane, you don't actually have a horror story, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's an amazing thing. You've gone through all the... If, if, you, if I had tried to take that trip to Australia a couple hundred years ago, I would have gotten on board a wooden sailing ship. And the trip would have taken not 30 hours, not even 30 days. It would have taken months, several months, give or take a few months, depending on how the winds are blowing, or if they're even blowing. And, and those ships, you know, they didn't have beautiful mattresses for sleeping. They didn't have heating and air conditioning. It was what it was, right? The ambient temperature, that's what you got. Um, that's a grueling trip, okay? That's a grueling trip. Okay, we, we got to move on. Um, looking at Psalm 103, verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit? who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Uh, the, the word redeem is, uh, is, the, is the classic uh, term re referring to the kinsman redeemer of, of the Orient. Uh, that's, uh, if you want to see that really illustrated well, it's, uh, you can read the book of Ruth. The thing going on with Boaz and, and Ruth, that's all explained very much there, the kinsman redeemer. And it reflects, it's, a, it's sort of a foreshadowing of our uh, ultimate redemption, what God does through, for, through Christ. Um, and, and this word pit, uh, it, can, it can mean a literal pit, usually in the form of a trap. Now think about that, how illustrative is that of our sin? We are entrapped by our own sin. Um, it can be speaking of the grave. It can be talking of just destruction in general. Uh, and in fact, destruction is our destiny without the forgiveness that's through Christ. So God reaches down and pulls us up from the pit. And then he not only does that, but he crowns us with his steadfast love. He, he bestows, he blesses his, us with love. Again, steadfast love, that's that term hesed, the Hebrew. Uh, that shows up all over the place again in Scripture, very common uh, occurrence of that. And it's, it's often coupled with the idea of mercy, God's love and mercy that he has bestowed on us. Um, okay, so let's kind of come back to the Ten Boom story. You remember that we left Betsy and Corey, Corey somewhat reluctantly, giving thanks for the fleas. Well, it was some time later, uh, they had been wondering, like, it, we don't seem to get a lot of supervision in this barracks, and they were having an extraordinary amount of relative freedom. 
And, and they finally discovered that the guards were staying away precisely because of the fleas. The fleas were keeping the guards away. This gave them an extraordinary amount of freedom to minister. It got to the point where they were even holding worship services in the barracks in the death camp. Their barracks became known as the crazy place where women have hope. Nobody has hope in a death camp, but these women did. Um, so, so it goes to show you that God provides in amazing, if not always desirable ways. I mean, let, let's, let's think about it, right? I, I'm not a gambling man, but I think I'd be willing to wager a considerable sum on this proposition. You, if, you could, if you could interview pretty much all the Christians that you know or any Christian, anyone alive today even, any Christian has ever lived, perhaps, and ask them, what is your favorite ministry tool? What is your preferred ministry enabler? I'm, I'm pretty sure that nary one of them would say, fleas. <laughs> we're not going to come up with fleas. This is not a human idea that to use these miserable, annoying, disgusting creatures as a ministry tool. Only God thinks like that. And we don't like it. I, I'm not sure I understand why he thinks that way. We, there's got to be dozens and dozens of other ways to keep guards away from a barracks than fleas. And yet God's up there, he's, he's thinking, huh, watch this. These, these, these stupid, I admit, these are annoying. In the fallen world, these fleas are really annoying. But you know what? I'm going to use these as part of my plan for a revival to break out in a death camp. Think about that, right? It's, it's the way God rolls. Okay. Um, furthermore, we got to dig a little bit deeper and this relates to some things that we've talked about before up here in, in recent times. This is, this is what Bet, Betsy would actually not survive the concentration camp experience. Uh, but even as she was deathly ill, she was always thinking in terms of ministry. She was thinking about, like, when we get out of here, when we're done with all of this, we have all these things that we're going to have to go do. And she said this to her sister, Corey, we must tell people what we have learned here. We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we have been here. Sorry. Um, that just suddenly grabbed me. I, I've known it was coming and it still just grabbed me. That, that indomitable spirit... Uh, who, who can plumb the depths of God? He is so deep. He is infinitely deep. So I don't care how deep your pit is. God is there. He's still deeper still. He can still reach in and pull you up out of that pit. Okay. Uh, so, so let's make it a little personal now. What about your story? Um, I... I I trust that 
nobody here has had a prison camp experience. I, I don't know that to be true, um, but I'm, I'm thinking probably unlikely. But that doesn't mean we haven't had our own form of hardships, our own, our own losses. All right? But we need to be thankful and even rejoice in those things, not just in spite of the trials, but because of them. We've, we've had this discussion before. It's taught in several places in Scripture. Paul talks about it to the Romans. James talks about it right up front in his, in his letter. In fact, uh, that's probably the most recent time we've had this conversation is in our James series that we did recently. Um, and Peter talks about it as well right up front in his uh, first epistle. Uh, these, these are, it's, we are to rejoice because of what, not only what God is doing through your trial in, in uh, refining your character and ministering opportunities to others, but because it gives you some moral authority. Uh, the, the Ten Boom sisters were thinking, they get street cred by having gone through that prison camp experience. Well, likewise, we do as well as we go through our trials. Uh, even now, um, I, I've, been, uh, I've had the privilege of, of ministering to a guy who's, uh, who's just crushed. Um, back in early August, he, he lost a son in a motorcycle accident. And, I mean, he's, he, he's still early on in this, in this journey, and he's just he's miserable. And I understand that because... A couple of years ago, I lost a son in a motorcycle accident. Had I not been already well down this path, I would not have been able to speak into this man's life. And he, uh, he understands, he appreciates, he knows that I'm there with him in this. We identify in a way that few others really can. But whatever it is that you're dealing with, that's a ministry opportunity that's going to allow you to speak to others who are going through similar things. The way we are comforted, we can then comfort others also. All right. Okay, so I want you to remember when, when it's all said and done that our Redeemer lives. <laughs> that's a glorious thing. He is alive. He is at work. Um... He, we have forgiveness in him and now we have the opportunity to, to go forth and do great things uh, in his power. Um, that's, that's the final fill-in, by the way. Our Redeemer lives. Okay. All right. Um, with that, I'd like to call the worship team up and uh, we'll get ready for our final song and uh, let me close in prayer while they're coming up. Oh, our great God, we come humbly before you once again. We thank you for your many, many blessings. Lord, we could have been here all day if we were going to catalog every last one. But God, just burn these, this principle into our minds that we, are, we need to be thankful and bless you for your many, many benefits. Let us not take any of those things for granted. Let us always remember the many things that you have done for us. Foremost is achieving our salvation through the atoning sacrifice of your son, Jesus. 
Oh, Lord, in his name we pray all these things. There is no other name. There's no other reason we even have standing before you that we can even come to you in this way, in this prayer. Uh, Oh, Lord, we pray that you will help us to, to minister powerfully in your name to those around us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.